0: Welcome to the PAXX podcast, available on Apple and Google Podcasts. This is episode 71 of the show where we talk about how the airline passenger experience is evolving in a mobile, social, vocal world. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing?
1: Doing well, Mary. Staying healthy, as far as I know. <laughs> Hopefully we can keep it that way with uh, all of the, uh, the virus news going on, but, uh, but we'll talk about that.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed, Max, and I'm hoping that I might finally get to meet you here this weekend in Lancaster, Pennsylvania.
1: That's right. I don't know how long it's been since uh, I think you were originally a guest on Airplane Geeks, but it was probably eight years, something like that. Could it have been that long?
0: I was a young lass back then.
1: (laughs) We were both younger. (laughs) All right. Well, let's take a look at some of the PAXX news stories that are making headlines First, the novel coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, which, of course, surfaced in Wuhan, China, but it's quickly crossed borders, now been detected in 60 locations internationally, according to the CDC. Global infections number an estimated 90,000, and coronavirus-related deaths are being reported around the globe. Now, the fallout has been swift. The transportation industry is taking a material hit as airlines slash services, including to places like China, and they're offering change fee waivers. Also, cruise bookings are, are down, which is not surprising given the close quarters found on cruise ships and their isolation at sea. Now, the CDC has issued Level 3 warnings for Italy, South Korea, Iran and China, which means it is recommending that travelers outright avoid all non-essential travel to those areas. It's also issued a coronavirus-related level 2 warning for Japan, meaning it is urging at-risk travelers, and that includes the elderly, those with chronic medical conditions, to take special precautions to protect themselves, including avoiding contact with sick people, which isn't always easy to do for frontline employees, and engage in rigorous hand-washing or hand-sanitizing. Mary, given that this is a rapidly evolving situation, what else should passengers be thinking about right now?
0: Well, Max, anyone scheduled to travel in the near term should obviously check the travel warnings from the CDC or their local country's travel advisories, as well as their chosen airline to understand their options, because the situation is very fluid right now and changes are happening regularly. So, for instance, in Italy, the latest coronavirus count puts confirmed infections at overt. 2,500, which is the most cases of any country outside of Asia, and as a result, we've got American Airlines canceling all flights to Milan through late April. Uh, Delta has suspended its New York Milan service while its flights from JFK and Atlanta to Rome continue for now. We're seeing British Airways and Ryanair cancel hundreds of flights due to the coronavirus. Uh, but again, any guidance from airlines could be updated at a moment's notice. So check in and regularly if you are planning to travel in the near term. Now, as you mentioned, Max, a number of carriers are telling travelers that they may be eligible for fee-free trip changes or cancellations if they're slated to fly to China, Italy or South Korea or indeed elsewhere. And to its credit, American Airlines announced a couple of days ago that it will waive change fees. ...for up to 14 days prior to travel for customers who purchased travel through March 16th. And the offer is available for any of American's published fares. Uh, so bravo to American; it really um, set the standard there because Delta Airlines then followed suit to a degree... ...and it announced it will waive change fees for all flights booked between March 1 and 31 to any international destination the airline serves... And, of course, we're also seeing other carriers like Alaska and JetBlue waiving change fees for specific durations of time. So, Max, by the time this podcast recording publishes, it's entirely possible and likely that other airlines will have updated their messaging. But, of course, it's a very concerning situation to say the least, um, and and travelers need to be vigilant on every uh, count.
1: Yes, for sure. And this really is hammering the airlines, certainly. We've seen a number of them announce that they will not meet their revenue projections for for the quarter or even beyond that in some cases. uh, We see uh, United Airlines, which has really been hit because so much of their uh, international travel is uh, across the Pacific. Um, We've seen reported that besides shutting down all flights to China, they've seen the the demand for tickets to other trans-Pacific flights other meaning not to China, uh, down by 75%. So suddenly uh, suddenly it's a, big, it's a big issue. And United is uh, offering pilots to uh, take the month off and earn, uh, earn something more than they would have if they had uh, just normally taken the, the time off on their own. So there's, there's a lot of pressure there. Now, the international airlines, of course, they're not just sitting on their hands. And we've seen that IATA, the International Air Transport Association, has issued a statement. And they're saying that they've been contacting aviation regulators worldwide to request that the rules governing the use of airport slots be suspended immediately and for the 2020 season because of the impact of the coronavirus now, uh, maybe a little, a little primer on slots. Uh, airports that are congested don't have unlimited capacity for landings and takeoffs, obviously. And they manage this capacity through the use of a fixed number of slots, which are allocated to airlines by independent slot coordinators based on IATA guidelines. They call those guidelines the Worldwide Slot Guidelines, or WSG Now, uh, these rules, they need to be harmonized across the globe so that airlines can plan their network and and their schedules. But slots also have economic value. So airlines will trade or sell slots as circumstances change. But it's possible for an airline to lose slots, and that's the issue here. Now, the guidelines state that currently if an airline doesn't operate at least 80% of their slot allocation they can lose their slots for the next equivalent season. IATA calls this grandfather rights. You get to you keep what you have instead of having to rebuild all the slot allocations for each each flying season. So with all of these flights being canceled due to travel prohibitions or otherwise canceled because of decreased demand, airlines could lose slots. Under the the slot guidelines, the IATA slot guidelines. So IATA is asking aviation regulators to suspend the slot rules for the time being. Now they're able to uh, to do this in exceptional circumstances, and I think that this would certainly qualify as a time of exceptional circumstances. And so I think it's it's really important that. Regulators worldwide kind of respond to IATA's request in a in a positive way.
0: Hmm. I mean, it uh, it is good to see that that IATA is being so proactive on this front and advocating for its members in this way. Max, uh, I've got to say, when the press release passed my inbox here uh, uh, yesterday, I thought. Goodness, you know, hadn't even thought of that. (laughs) Right. Wow. Um, Yes, and and so essential that that uh, be sorted out uh, very, very quickly. Of course, uh, the airline's two largest trade groups, IATA uh, being number one, and the Airline Passenger Experience Association, which is now the second largest, they're each staying in close contact with the World Health Organization, and they're urging travelers to follow the WHO recommendations. And, And the latest messaging on that front is pretty telling. So the WHO says the epidemics in Korea, Italy, Iran, and Japan are its greatest concern. And in a statement on March 2nd, it said there were almost nine times more coronavirus cases reported outside China than inside in the prior 24 hours. Um, Now, among the key recommendations for travelers... It suggests that, of course, any travelers who are sick for any reason should avoid travel to affected areas and, of course, engage in frequent hand hygiene. But it even outlines cough etiquette as mm. keeping a distance of at least one meter from persons showing symptoms. Um, And you can imagine that anyone traveling with a cough right now, even if it's just from a basic cold or just a basic dry cough, um, tis the season, is going to get the old hairy eyeball from fellow travelers, (laughs) Max. And in fact, we're seeing a lot of comments on Twitter of people who need to fly or want to fly, but have have that ragged cough of the season and are afraid that other travelers are going to assume they have coronavirus. So that's another issue in terms of it's giving some travelers pause, even though, of course, they don't have it, um, but they don't want to have that scrutiny from their fellow traveler. Um, Interestingly, WHO says there's no evidence that wearing a mask of any type protects non-sick persons. But this is another issue that's very much up for debate online, seeing a lot of back and forth on this. But whether they assist or not, they're certainly being worn, as I saw recently when flying in and out of LAX. There was a lot of folks had masks on. And so... Given that fact, the WHO is providing guidance on appropriate disposal. Now, Max, unsurprisingly, coronavirus is expected to negatively impact not just the airlines, but also the PaxEx industry and the suppliers. And of course, uh, they've already been suffering due to the protracted grounding of the Boeing 737 Max, which we have, of course, talked a lot about. And so our industry is really facing a one 2 punch here. With the MAX and the coronavirus, Um, now, as discussed in the past, airlines are holding off on retrofitting their aircraft due to the capacity crunch of the MAX grounding. So that's affecting suppliers on that front. But coronavirus could add another complication, and a, a consultant in the industry... Uh, told RGN contributor Marissa Garcia recently, uh, he said we could see the same effect as SARS, maybe a bit larger if coronavirus goes beyond April or May. And he suggested that airlines are going to hold off for a while before they start to make, make significant changes in retrofit plans or start canceling or deferring orders. But if it does go on, you know, well into uh, the springtime, um, those might become considerations, Max. So time will tell, but it's obviously very difficult times to say the very least.
1: Yes, I would think that a, a lot of the, the airlines and other other companies would be planning for the worst, but uh, maybe holding off on taking any specific action to see what happens, how it develops. Uh, the duration of this, of course, is, is sort of a key question. And if it's uh, more than a little bit, I worry that uh, this will affect not only the you know the airlines and the travel industry and then percolate through the economy in many other ways as well, and precipitate a significant downturn we've we've seen the stock market react as we record this it's kind of started to move back in the upward positive direction a little bit, but uh, we could be in for some some real economic shocks if this uh, if this continues. I don't know. Maybe the airlines should be used to uh, big swings like this, but it's been so long that maybe, Mary, maybe they're a little out of practice with how to, you know, how to respond to these kinds of things
0: yeah good point. They, they may be just a little they 've enjoyed some uh, some years uh, some happy years shall we say yes. at least on this side of the pond it 's not to say there haven't been uh, uh, those that have struggled uh, in Europe because we did see last year of course a number of smaller uh, kind of low fares carriers, uh, some of them were hurting and some did not make it max but um, but generally uh, yeah it's been relatively positive times for the for the airline industry, so this is really a it really is a, a one to punch and and one of the things that is always on the table when when these sorts of things happen and airlines have to get a little more conservative with their spend, they get more conservative with their marketing spend and they get more conservative with their passenger experience upgrades. It's just a fact, right. and uh, so you have to be prepared and be insulated to a certain degree to be able to manage that uh, through the downtimes. So, yeah, it's rough. It's rough out there.
1: It is challenges. Uh, challenges ahead for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about something a little bit different, maybe a little bit more fun, at least for me. And this is an announcement from Air New Zealand. It's exploring a bunk bed style option for long haul economy class travel. Now, the concept is called Economy Sky Nest, and it would offer six bunk beds in sort of a capsule monument in the economy-class cabin. Now, each bed would measure over 22 inches at the shoulders. They would be amenities such as a pillow and sheets, a blanket, a privacy curtain, earplugs, and special lighting to help in the sleep. Now, having looked at the Air New Zealand video, where you can get a really good idea of what this looks like, I I would say that this is not for claustrophobes. (laughs) And and pro- it's pretty small, and probably not for those who have maybe mile high club aspirations. <laughs> this, this is pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see how you climb up to the top bunk in the video, but I'm sure that's an easy issue to deal with. But I'll tell you, Mary, I would be real happy <laughs> with a bunk in a nest. I I love sleeping. I relish opportunities to sleep when flying long haul, and that's what I like to do. Uh, I I often doze off with a smile on my face while the uh, road warrior drones around me peck away at their computers (laughs) trying to keep up with their email. And I'd rather sleep. (laughs) So I like this idea, but I do have one question. Yeah. Do I book a bunk instead of a seat? Or do I book a seat as usual and have to arm wrestle other passengers for bunk space?
0: Yeah, so you're going to have to book your normal seat because you're going to need to be seated in an upright position for takeoff and landing, Max. Okay. Um, but um, but then you would be booking this as uh, presumably an upgrade. That's how effectively, uh, like an add-on upgrade um, ah. to your economy class fare. That's effectively how Air New, Zeal- Air New Zealand handled the Sky Couch, which is that kind of additional uh, real estate on the economy class seat that it, o- it began offering several years ago. Um, but Max... Uh, I'm fascinated to hear that, that this is right up your alley. Now, question, would you prefer a bunk bed down back or a business class seat up front?
1: Um, A bunk bed. In the back. You would. And, yes. and so
0: that's – and therein lies an issue. Because <laughs> if, <you> <laughs> if you make this too appealing, um, then you're, you're tearing into your revenue up front. So that's one of the issues oh, yes. that needs to be addressed. But I'm right there with you because the Sky Nest um, does look like it has that type of real estate that would allow you to have that better sleep. I have a difficult time. This won't come as a surprise to our listeners. I have a difficult time in coffin class, high-density business. <laughs> yes, I do, sir. Yes, I do. I do. The herringbone and reverse herringbone, it just, to me, it, I, and I, I've said it before, I would take, um, you know, a seat that doesn't have full aisle access in order to get a wider, flatter bed-like a- arrangement. So when Skynest was announced a few days ago... I was very, very excited. But that is one of the big issues is how do you merchandise it? You know, how, how do you sell it? And then how do you make sure that it doesn't encroach on what you're trying to do uh, in premium classes? Now, sleeping berths are not a brand new idea in Aviation Max. Mm. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we can go back, um, you know, gosh, what is it? 80, 80 some years, 90 years. And Business Insider has an excellent piece about the Boeing model 314 Clipper flying boat with couches that turned into bunk beds. Yes. And I believe the jetliner cabins, uh, which is the Bible for aircraft interiors, also has details on some of the sleeping berths of old Um uh, but this, uh, this Business Insider Report has some really great and fun images, so uh, I'll include a link to that. But, of course, airline crew have been sleeping in crew rest areas with not dissimilar accommodations for many decades. Um, so uh, there's a lot to draw on when, when, these, um, uh, when these airlines do, if they do really look at it seriously, as Air New Zealand says it, uh, says it is. Um, they'll be able to draw on some of the prior art of crew rests. Um, I've been personally keeping half an eye on this space for a long time after I interviewed a designer who proposed totally reimagining the cabin to accommodate full-stack sleepers back in 2009. But in-flight bunk beds, Max, are really clearly having a moment right now. And I think this pod concept from Air New Zealand actually looks doable and viable. But there's other concepts being floated around, including one from a Dutch consultancy called ADSE. Um, But one of the challenges you're going to find with most, most of these ideas, and you've kind of touched upon it earlier, is that the top bunks of any of the designs are mainly for passengers who are mobile, Mm-hmm. So if you're a passenger with re- reduced mobility, you're not going to be climbing steps or stairs. Right. Uh, so can airlines figure a way to ensure that the passengers with reduced mobility are off at the bottom bunk? It shouldn't be insurmountable, but it does add complexity to the booking process. So there's kind of many merchandising questions to be answered on that front. But bravo to these initiatives. It's nice to see more blue sky thinking.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I wonder also about the, you know, the overall efficiency of the aircraft if, if there's a, a significant amount of, of these kind of bunk beds because as long as you know, we have the requirement to be seated and buckled for takeoff and landing, that means that a person, a passenger needs both spaces. And in total, I you know that uh, that might be a lot of space. I mean, if a bunk pod <laughs> a nest with six bunks, like we see in the Air New Zealand video, are replacing six seats, uh, then there might be kind of an equal use of space. But if you need six seats in addition to the six bunks, then ah, that's a lot of that's a lot of territory inside the airplane, it seems like.
0: It sure is, and there's a weight penalty there. Now, one idea that has been floated around for quite some time, and this is including when Airbus and um, I believe it was Saffron Cabin uh, joined forces to come up with an idea for um, bringing uh, bunks and beds and whatnot uh, into the cargo hold of certain aircraft types. That was an idea floated a few years ago, and and with that idea came the notion that maybe you could rent— the bed for a few hours or for a certain allocated amount of time. And that that would be the way to do it rather than commit an entire bed for an entire flight. Um, and that way, you know, more passengers also get to experience the product and they get to time their passenger experience and, and, and plan for that and plan to get a few hours sleep and lay their head down. And so it, it is interesting. Could it be rented by the hour? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a very another publication wrote and they're, they're absolutely right. Uh, it 's a yodel like experience <laughs> what we 're seeing here from air new zealand i 'm um, excited i 'm ready to climb on on that sky nest and uh, and lay my head down no bother, no bother at all so i
1: like it I like it too well you know Boeing has showed a blended wing body aircraft before for for many years, and Airbus is floating a similar kind of design currently. I wonder if that layout lends itself more to this type of arrangement. I mean, one of the issues with a blended wing body airplane is you don't get any windows. And you know, how do you how do you deal with that? But if <laughs> If it's an arrangement of nests in there, uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it works well in that type of a of an aircraft. I don't know. I have to think about that. I guess.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Max. And in fact, uh, and I'm trying to think. Is it, there's a university in Hamburg that is looking at that very thing? <laughs> oh. Right now. Um, but do you ever find with with our industry kind of what what's old is new again? Some of this stuff does cycle around. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Like uh, ten years ago, we were talking bunks. It never happened um and blended wing body as you say it's been that concept has been around for decades and and here we are again so um separating kind of the real from the marketing is remains a challenge but again this air new zealand concept specifically does look viable at least from this vantage point i like it yeah i do too
1: well Mary you mentioned Hamburg and of course we have the big Aircraft Interiors Expo coming up uh, really quickly it's scheduled for March 31st through April 2nd this year and Mary I can't go this year because I'll be at the Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo in Florida ah. but maybe some year in the future I can I can make the uh, Hamburg show but some people have predicted that the show will be canceled due to the coronavirus Outbreak. But as we record this, the show is still scheduled to go on as planned. Now, one of the highlights, of course, is the Crystal Cabin Award Ceremony that's at the Aircraft Interiors Expo every year. And it honors, of course, uh, PAXX Innovation. Now, this year, the Crystal Cabin Award, or CCA, judges had their work cut out for them because they had a record-setting number of ideas submitted for the contest. There were 24 finalists. And some of these concepts are are really kind of impressive. Now, as for which ideas inspired me, well, is it too late to start a write-in campaign for the Air New Zealand Sky Nest? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, we we do have that Delft University of Technology collapsible beds concept that they turn into seats for takeoff and landing. So that kind of addresses that problem. But uh, they don't look as comfortable as the Air New Zealand seats. But great idea. On the green front, and, and this is not a real exciting kind of an idea, but I like the gray water reuse unit. Yes. From uh What's that? Is that Deal Aviation? Deal Aviation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the system that uses water from the hand basin to flush the lavatory, and so that saves drinking water, which saves weight, which reduces CO2. So that, that's more of a benefit to all of us than many of the other ideas that benefit our experience. But uh, and there's a couple others that are interesting to me: the next-gen connectivity, mobile on-air 4G hardware. Mm-hmm. from CETA on air. Uh, it, it does some good things for the onboard network and they say in the future it will support 5G connectivity in the air, which I think that's very interesting. Um, 5G connectivity uh, on the ground is sort of smoke in mirrors, I think, uh, yeah. uh, largely because the range of 5G is, uh, is, is very, very short. So you need many, many more towers if you're going to provide the same sometimes crappy coverage that you get with 4G. But a closed, a small area like on an airplane, yeah, 5G, that that makes a lot of sense there to me.
0: It sure does. Yeah, and I'm intrigued that those two ideas are the ones you're highlighting because they are really interesting, Max. I agree with you. Really? Um, yeah. I, yeah <laughs> we're on the same page. It's it's Bravo. But – Um, I need to be very cautious about what I say because I am a judge for the CCAs and final judging round happens when we land in Hamburg. And that's the opportunity for all the finalists to make their final pitch effectively and explain their their designs and answer questions. Um, So that's a pivotal time. Um, but in terms of general themes heading into the larger Aircraft Interiors Expo, obviously, as we've discussed, you can be certain that coronavirus and the MAX grounding will be top of mind to these suppliers, yeah. and the impact is going to be assessed. So those questions are going to be asked, of course. Um, for me, getting an idea of whether these stacked sleepers will be realistic is also key on my agenda. You know, is this pie in the sky, or can we sleep together, Max? <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, its I'd like that question answered. Um, also, on the inflight. Activity front, um, Yes, in-flight uh, 5G and mobile connectivity in general um, could be back in the fray a little bit. Um, of course, in the United States, they've taken a very rigid approach to in-flight mobile um, because they don't want people making voice calls. But um, I'd like to underscore that you can use uh, mobile connectivity systems for data only. There is a switch that can disable voice. Mm. So, um, you know, technology doesn't need to be impeded um, based on uh, standards of etiquette during any particular period of time. Just wanted to note that. But on the in-flight connectivity front, we're seeing a number of satellite constellation buildouts in the non-geostationary orbit. So, um, you know, I'm personally eager to understand how and when these NGSO constellations will change the game for in-flight connectivity and bringing passengers closer to an at-home experience in the sky because low-Earth orbit and mid-Earth or- orbit constellations mean lower latency max, and ergo, a better experience right, if uh, yes. you, know, you don't have to talk so far. Um, so one area also that is really interesting uh, to me and that we started seeing last year was seat makers adding back a bit of comfort options to their slimline seats. So, you know, I I sometimes wonder if we went a little too far down the slimline route um, to a certain degree to the point where you see some installations that nearly look like lawn chairs. Um, And uh, so (laughs) are some seat makers rethinking a little bit in terms of um, in terms of adding a bit of comfort? We saw implementations of that. We saw examples of that last year, and I suspect we're going to see some more of that. And addressing passenger nesting, which is the idea of providing cubbies and bands and spaces to put your glasses or your pen or your personal electronic device. So nesting is a big thing right now, Max. And Mm. how do you kind of make that seat back, accommodate the passenger and their experience a little bit better, and even something as basic as like a rubber band, like a thick band that allows you to slide your glasses right in front of you you know Hmm. it's it's like simple but logical uh, improvements to the experience particularly in economy class it's a that's a big one
1: i like the word nesting though i it it Uh, feels (laughs) it feels so cozy and comfortable you know i like i like nesting
0: Yes, whether you're, you're nesting in your upright in your economy class seat or nesting on your sky nest, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a wonderfully cozy word. Um, and just finally, on the entertainment front, app-free wireless IFE is uh, gaining a lot of momentum as passengers kind of just want to be able to get on board the aircraft and have uh, the wireless system work without downloading an app in advance. Yeah. Um, so stakeholders are kind of duking it out on that front in terms of there's so many wireless IFE providers in the space. It's actually very ripe for consolidation, but, um, but again, Max, the one, two punch of Max and coronavirus will likely dominate to a certain degree this show. Um, you know, which, which is tough in its own right, because there's a lot of great innovations and a lot of things that certainly we want to highlight, um, without taking away from the seriousness of the situation that is uh, ahead.
1: Well, look forward to uh, your your uh, reports and uh, impressions from the show, Mary.
0: Thank you. Thanks. I look forward to reporting it. Yes. Well, we're rapidly coming to a close. I want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on Apple and Google Podcasts. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at Runway Girl. And remember to use the PAXX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We would absolutely love to have you.
1: And please join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PAXX podcast.
0: Take care, everyone.